when you're moving towards self-management, there's a great number of practices and processes that will change, right? You can no longer do them in the old hierarchical way. So there's all sorts of you know, practices and processes that you uh, need to upgrade and reinvent. And one question is, you know, how do you formalize these new processes? And when do you formalize them? And how do you communicate around these new processes? Um, and you know, I'll, I'll tell you some thoughts about this. But, but before I do, um, I think it's actually important to even question how we think about formalizing practices and processes, right? Um, because a mistake that I've, I've seen in some organizations is because we, we didn't like how in traditional organizations, you know, there were all of these policies and handbooks and guidelines that we don't actually want to formalize anything. We don't want to write, you know, put down on paper, like this is the way we do this. You know, this is how we take decisions. This is how we deal with conflicts. And that feels like the old world. We don't want, we don't want this. The problem is that if you don't you know, clarify, if you don't formalize the new practices, um, it quickly becomes incredibly draining because you're reinventing the wheel every time or people are actually unsure, like, how do we do this? Did we, you know, you know, didn't we talk about doing it this way or that way? And, and nobody knows for sure, right? So it's, it's great to have some heuristics, some, some very simple, okay, you know, this is the way we do it, right? Um, it's a little bit like, you know, when you wake up in the morning, it's actually practical that in your closets, you know, the socks are on one side and the t-shirts are on another side and that you actually know that. So you're only half awake, but you know, like, you know, there's a sock here and, you know, there's a t-shirt there, right? Um, if every morning, you know, that thing was in a different state and you had like, where are the socks again? You know, that, that would just, you know, be frustrating. Well, it's the same way for practices and, and processes, right? So uh, there's one huge difference, though, with the way we used to do it. They, you know, when practices and processes were defined somewhere at the top of the pyramid or by some support functions, I felt like this was imposed onto me and I had no power to change it. Whereas in self-managing organizations, everybody can change them. So everything we formalized is just, you know, what we're using now until we find something better, right? Um, I like to call it, it's, it's the best for now. Right? It's the best way we found to do it, so you know we've put it down on paper. But as soon as we find a better way, we'll change it. Right? And everybody's powerful using the advice process or whatever decision-making mechanisms you have settled on. Everybody's powerful to improve and change them. Right? So it's a little bit like, yeah, right now my socks are here and my t-shirts are there, but as soon as I find a better way, I'll change it. Right? Um, some organizations uh, like to talk about prototyping or talk about uh, you know being in, in beta and and that, that you know makes a lot of sense for me right and you could, could be in permanent beta right you know um, this is just constantly evolving um, this is just the best we have for for now right um, I there's an organization in Canada a small organization called Fitzy and they've written quite some blog posts um, around their transition to self-management and, and I think they've put it really beautifully and so I just wanted to read you a passage from from their blog post. Um, so talking about um, you know, these, these formalized new practices and processes, they say, it's not a set it and forget it scenario. When you implement a new self-management practice, it will likely go through multiple phases. The creation of it, followed by a probationary period to see how it's working, 
and then more dialogue and revisions to improve the practice, right? Let's just start with something and then we'll keep improving it, right? So that's the, the switch. Formalizing practice isn't bad, it's actually really useful as long as we all know that it's just the best for now something that can evolve quickly. And so that then brings, uh, you know, first question is, okay, but then when do we formalize a new process? And, um, and I would say, you know, as quickly as possible. You know, as soon as you start doing something new, put it on paper. This is right now our best idea about how to do this. This is our new normal. And then it can evolve anytime, right? And this can be different for different teams, right? Um, actually, there's value in different teams doing it differently, experimenting with different things and seeing what works best, right? And I'll refer you to another video I created around sort of this polarity, this tension between uh, innovation and standardization or experimentation and standardization, where I talk more about this. There might be value at some point to say, okay, now all of the teams do it in the same way uh, because that's a little bit like the socks and the t-shirts. We know that you know, in every team, the socks and the t-shirt are in the same place. Um, and that makes things more, um, you know, easier for everyone. Um, but by any means, for every team, as soon as you start doing something different, put it down on, on paper and then let's, you know, evolve it from there. Um, a second question is, okay, but, you know, before we put it on paper, how do we even define it, right? And there, obviously... The answer is don't don't have a top you know your former manager or, or, or don't have the top leadership define it right. Um, have a frontline team define their own practices, right? Um, or if you decide that it's good from the outset that different teams do it in the same way, ask for a group of volunteers to come together and define a new practice, right? Oh, who is interested in defining, you know, how we will make decisions, right? Okay, then the team comes together and looks at the advice process and consent-based mechanism. And, you know, um, they might work a whole day or half a day. They stand around a flip chart and they very actively define, okay, this is how we want to do it. Um, I, I know of a small organizations where you know, that's how they defined all of their processes. You know, it was like a 20-people organization and they just had a full day and you know, people just self-selected and, okay, we're going to work on how we're going to do um, decision-making. We're going to work on performance management. And then they worked on it and then they shared it with each other. And at the end of the day, here, this is what we're going to start with. Right? Um, now, um, the, one interesting thing, I think, is to push people to, um, in the beginning, not be too specific, not make it sort of a mental exercise. And in the beginning, sometimes only define principles rather than very detailed practices, right? So you could say something like, I know at um, an organization called Decathlon, they, um, in some places they have this principle that every meeting starts with a check-in, right? But you don't need to define how exactly you're going to do the check-in. As long as there's a check-in, you know, that, that might just be enough already, right? Um, so in the beginning, sometimes less is more. Then the third question is, okay, so some teams have defined... Um, you know, how, we, how are we going to do this or that practice? Um, but how do we actually then put it on paper? How do we communicate it? Maybe to some other people who weren't in that meeting, right? And here, just my suggestion would be get away from the old dry sort of word memo or policy, right? And I've, I've, I've made a specific video about how to communicate in new ways, right? And, um, and the idea is 
if you can do it in a visual way, do it by any means in a visual way. Maybe you do a little infographic, maybe you have some drawings, maybe there's you know, somebody who you know, has good graphic design skills and who can do it. Now, don't overdo it because these things might change very quickly. But if you can communicate it in that way, that's great. Another way to do it is through video. Say that a team stood around a flip chart for a few hours and has really defined a new decision-making mechanism. Well, you might just take you know, this camera and just film the team explaining it on the flip chart you know, and send that out to, to other people or put it on a central wiki when people want to look at it. Right? So try not to communicate it in a, in a dry way. You know, this should give the impression that this is a living thing, that this can evolve, that this can change. And then, you know, a question I get often is, okay, so which, which practices do we define first, right? And, and, you know, that will, of course, depend on your organization. But when it comes to self-management, I would refer you to this video where I talked about so, sort of five essential practices of, of self-management. Um, so if pretty quickly you haven't looked at uh, decision-making and how, you know, roles get defined and allocated and how you deal with conflict and how you make information transparent and how you do performance management. If you haven't looked at these five, then I would just invite you to look at why that's not the case and because most likely you know, it would be useful to start looking at it uh, sooner rather than later and you might want to add it. Right? Um, so have fun. Have fun. Make this a living thing. You know, go out there and very quickly sort of define um, you know, the processes, make it good enough for now. You know, um, this is the best we know. Put it out there. Um, you know, film it with a video, or you know, don't put it in a dry memo, but um, illustrate it, and um, and just go out there and then evolve it from there. Perhaps you've noticed there is no paywall, no monthly membership to access this video series. That's because the videos live in the gift economy. This is how it works. I gift everything that goes into making the videos, my time, energy, and insights, and you get to choose what feels right to gift back. Please take a moment to reflect on what would feel good to give in return to help me continue doing this work. Thank you.